The Psychoanalysis Podcast explores the ways that horror movies examine mental health issues. It deals with mature and sometimes disturbing subject matter, and it may not be suitable for all listeners. It is meant for entertainment purposes only, and not as a substitute for proper therapy. If you or a loved one are currently experiencing mental health difficulties, please contact your local mental health center. Breathe in. Breathe out. Breathe in. Breathe out. Breathe in. Breathe out. This is Psychoanalysis. This is Psychoanalysis, a horror therapy podcast analyzing the horror genre through the lens of mental health. I'm Jen Adams. And I'm Mike Snoonian. And Laura is not with us today, but never fear, we are joined by a very special guest. I can't think of a better person to join us for our Halloween episode. He is a writer and podcaster for the Bloody Disgusting Network, and he's the host of Creepy and a co-host of the Bloody Disgusting Podcast. John Grills, welcome to the pod. Grab me here. Take that, Stephen King. You hear that? I'm <laughs> the best one to have on. That's right. <laughs> yeah, Stephen King actually approached us to be on this episode, and we were like, no, no, no. So no, thanks, sir. <laughs> He's like, all right, right I got to go sell another book to a movie studio. So I know, make another billion dollars. Um, <laughs> I love you, Stephen King. <laughs> I do too. Uh, <laughs> so this is a comfort horror episode, and we define comfort horror as the scary movies that bring us joy. And John, you picked, I think, the perfect movie to talk about for Halloween. What movie are we talking about today? Hell House LLC. Yes. So excited. But before we do, we're going to give a brief synopsis in case you haven't seen Hell House LLC or it's been a while. So here's your spoiler warning. We know basically nothing about this supposedly haunted spoiler warning, but I'm sure it'll be fine. Right? <laughs> right? <laughs> All right. We begin with a documentary about a tragedy at the Abaddon Hotel, a haunted attraction in upstate New York. Filmmakers wander through the now-abandoned hotel, then we see footage of the incident. On opening night, Halloween, I think, I think it was Halloween, but it might have just been the beginning of the Halloween season. Anyways, on opening night of the haunted attraction, chaos broke out in the basement, leading to multiple injuries and fatalities. A video uploaded to YouTube and a leaked 911 call chronicle the disaster, but provide few answers. A photographer broke into the hotel and took pictures of bloody floors and walls. He found the door to the basement blown off its hinges, but being a sane person was too scared to go down there. I hear ya, photographer. Sarah Hovell, a member of Hell House LLC, reached out to be part of the documentary. She hasn't been heard of since the tragedy. Filmmakers hope she can tell them what really happened, and she gives them a bunch of videos that archive the full story. Now we cut back to August with Sarah's footage. Sarah and the Hell House team are traveling to the Abaddon Hotel to begin setting up for the attraction. Mac and Alex are childhood friends. Alex is in charge. Sarah is Alex's girlfriend. Paul is a videographer and Tommy is an electrician. But they are all members of a team who create and produce haunted attractions every year. They're going to live in the hotel and operate the attraction until Halloween. The hotel is in ruins and looks like it was abandoned after another spooky incident. Photos reveal creepy figures in black hooded robes standing in the corners, and the basement is creepy as fuck. Once they move in, because they're living in this place, which whew, I would never do, um, Sarah says things began to change. 
In some of Paul's footage, he's the videographer, so he's behind the camera for a lot of this. We see Paul play a creepy tune on the piano next to a statue he calls Hector. Paul also likes to do lots of interviews in his bed at night. In one of them, a creepy woman enters the room behind him. He thinks it's Sarah, but it's not Sarah. Joey is one of the actors who is in the basement. He made it out alive, but refused to talk about what he saw, then died by suicide nine days later. They also hire an actress named Melissa to be chained in the basement, but she's feeling nervous, and she gives us a little background about the house, which is supposed to be haunted, which Alex either did not know about or has been hiding. So now in the, the documentary tells us the hotel was built by a man named Andrew Tully in the late 1980s. He chose the location because Abaddon is the name of a biblical demon who guards the gateway to hell. There were reports of disappearing guests, and then Tully hanged himself in the dining room. As they prepare, they begin to notice strange things happening in the building, like noises in the middle of the night, and one of their clown dummies walking around on its own, which is terrifying. I notice that Paul needs to chill out about hitting on Melissa when she's at the workplace. When presented with footage of that terrifying clown, the whole group thinks it's Paul playing a trick on them and dismisses it. On a testing tour with the strobe lights, Paul notices an extra freak in one of the tunnels, and it is absolutely terrifying. Alex doesn't want to hear it, though, worrying that they'll have to shut down, and it's all very the mayor of Jaws. When they once again find that clown dummy at the bottom of the stairs in the middle of the night, they start to move it back and notice Sarah staring at the wall. She's mumbling something. When they turn around, the clown is gone. Then they notice the table set with lit candles and the clown guarding the stairs. And I say, time to get the fuck out. Paul is shooting another bedroom video three days before the opening. He thinks they should leave, but Alex wants to keep going. Later that night, he turns on the light and there's a woman sitting in his room. Holy shit. He hides under the blanket and she starts to get up and walk towards him. He starts to scream and his video cuts out. The next morning, Paul is gone. Unfortunately, he has a history of disappearing, so they're not super concerned. They try to call and hear a loud, staticky scream, which they just dismiss as feedback or whatever. That night, they hear someone playing that creepy piano melody in the middle of the night, but no one's there. While looking for Paul, they realize that the clown's heads have all moved to look at them. Then, they notice Paul just sitting in the basement, and he doesn't seem to know what's going on. Tommy wants to shut down, but Alex doesn't, so Tommy quits. Mac tries to stop him, saying he doesn't have all the facts, but we don't get them all either. We cut to Tony in a field deciding to stay. There's some kind of secret Alex and Mac have been keeping, and they're all screwed, but they also can't leave. And now it's opening night. They're all ready to go. Alex is getting the actors ready, but he seems a little weird. Meanwhile, Paul is in bed, and they can't get him to wake up. But there is a big line, and it's time for the show. Melissa is chained up in the basement, and Joey is down there in his clown suit with her. And it's showtime! But the walkie-talkies aren't working. Uh-oh. People are starting to go in. They notice that Joey just ran out of the basement, and they start to hear strange noises coming from the basement. Paul is just sitting in the dining room as people are going around in the tour. In the basement, strange robed figures seem to have come from nowhere. Melissa is begging for help and saying it isn't part of the show. The figures go towards her while everyone screams, and then she's gone. 
It's panic as everyone runs out of the house. They're all trying to figure out what's going on. They're trapped in the house. The basement door slams and a little girl is wandering around. They run upstairs and find Alex hanging in the attic. Then a group of rogue figures surround them and the camera cuts out. Back to Sarah being interviewed about what happened that night. She's talking about getting out of there and talking to the police when they got there, but says she needs to take a break. She needs to go back to her room to see for a few hours before she's ready to talk about it anymore. The filmmakers are planning to break into the Avedon Hotel very early in the morning while Mitchell is finishing up going through the footage. When they ask about her room with the reception desk, the receptionist at the hotel says the rooms don't have any letters, so Sarah couldn't be staying at 2C because there isn't a 2C in this hotel, and there also is no Sarah Hovel staying there. But they say, whatever, let's go break into this haunted hotel. Should be fine, right? As Mitchell finishes watching the footage, he sees another hooded figure as Sarah is filming herself walk out. Paul is there. Sarah abandons the camera to hug him, and he beats her to death, and we watch her die on the floor. Then someone else drags her away. The camera grows staticky as Paul picks up something sharp and cuts his throat. He bleeds to death. Now we're back to the filmmakers breaking into the hotel. As they walk through, we see the remnants of the disaster, and it's intercut with footage of the crew having fun in the same places. Mitchell tries to call, probably to tell them about seeing Sarah die in the footage, but she ignores the call. They go upstairs and find a door labeled 2C. She goes in and sees Sarah sitting on the bed. She turns around with a bloody face that we saw in her death in the, in the footage. The door slams and the black robe figures are in the room. Then we hear the piano tune playing. The end. Yay! So now let's do a feelings check. And this is when we share our first experience with Hell, Hell House LLC. There's a lot of L's in that. Hell House LLC. <laughs> and how we feel when we watch it. And John, would you mind kicking us off? Yeah, I I had to think about this. I couldn't remember the exact year. I think, I think it was right before Hell House LLC Part 2 came out. Mm-hmm. So it must have been 2018. I was at uh, my old job. I was on my lunch break. There was like a little gym. I was down in the gym and I can't stand doing cardio back. It's been years at this point since I've done cardio, <laughs> but I couldn't stand being on the treadmill or elliptical or anything like that. So I'd always play a movie just mm-hmm. so I could not think about it mm-hmm. and flicked on shutter. Just saw whatever popped up. I'm like, Oh, hell house LLC. That sounds interesting. Mm-hmm. Clicked on it. It was a little bit dark, but it was, I was kind of like, I was watching it kind of like, Wait, what's happening here? Like, I'm a mm-hmm. huge phone footage fan. Like, I love it. Mm-hmm. Like, it, I probably like it a little bit too much, according to some of my co-hosts. Uh, but uh. such thing. <laughs> but I'm like, I'm just. Uh, it's always it'll always suck me in. Even some mm-hmm. of the cheaper phone footage movies, if I run across them on Tubi, I'll, I'll at least check out the trailer, the the mm-hmm. first few minutes, something, because I want to see what the hook is. Mm-hmm. And I was watching it, and I was just like, I was captivated. I think. I mean, I don't work at the job anymore, so I can say this. I'm almost positive that after like the first 30 minutes or so, I went and changed and then like went in the break room and then like covertly kept watching it like on my laptop or something like, what is happening here? Mm -hmm. Which I don't do or I don't think I did with a lot of movies. I'd done it with some Mm -hmm. stories before that I'd read on Reddit, but Mm -hmm. I was just, I was kind of, 
like captivated. There was something really simple about it mm-hmm. and something really original about it. And I couldn't quite put my finger on it at first until I was kind of like, wait, it's a haunted, haunted house. Mm-hmm. That's a, mm-hmm. Why isn't someone in a haunted, haunted house yet? I was right. like, that, that's amazing. And I kind of, and over the years, I mean, I, it's, I, I couldn't tell you how many times I've seen this at this point. It's kind of my go-to comfort watch. I've probably seen at least 40 or 50 times. Wow. Like, wow. Yeah, if I just want background noise now, I'll just turn this on. It's almost mm. always on somewhere. Oh, that's awesome. Mike, what about you? Yeah, I had the pleasure of introducing the world premiere of this movie. What? It played, yeah, it played as one of our opening films at the Telluride Horror Show. I want to say in 2015, like before it got picked up by anyone and like directors, uh, Stephen Cognetti was there, uh, I think with his girlfriend. I don't think we did a Q&A. I believe he just came up and introed the film, but it was one it was part of a great lineup of movies we had that year. And this was definitely one of the standouts. Um, I also am a sucker. So I it was just really fun to see like over time like the kind of like reception this has gotten and the fact that it's gotten two sequels and now they just announced like a prequel Uh of sorts so i kind of like that they keep going back to this well and it's really nice to see the fandom that's built up like i know like folks that kind of like horror movies that still know what this little independent movie is like i actually recommended it to one of the teachers today who was like hey what do you think we sh- I should watch tonight for like Halloween season? And I recommended this. He's like, oh, I've already seen the first one and the second one, <laughs> but not the third. So I have to pay to rent it. Oh. <laughs> Scott, you cheap bastard. <laughs> um, but hey, so it, it's kind of like really cool to see like this kind of the reception it's getting. And I think what I really like about this movie where where found footage struggles is that balance between getting to know the characters, but then not having enough scary things happen until the last Mm. like five minutes Mm. or just like making it super boogity boogity, but you don't have any characters you like. And what I like here is you have a pretty good, well-rounded cast, some very strong performances and some really strong points of view. So they all feel differentiated and you get to know them really well. Like it feels a lot like a hangout movie. So when mm-hmm. you, John, when you say you've seen this like 40 times, I get that because it feels like the people that you kind of want to, some of them that you want to hang out with for a little bit, but it has like really well-placed scares throughout the movie as well. Like I don't feel like it's saving everything towards the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, like I feel like this is one of the more enjoyable found footage movies of this era. Yeah. I agree. I love this movie. Um, I remember hearing about it for a couple of years before I actually watched it. Um, And I'm not exactly sure why I avoided it for so long, but I finally put it on and was just blown away. I am a huge found footage fan, but I don't watch it as much as like it takes a lot for me to take a chance on a found footage movie because I'm usually multitasking you know Mm -hmm. and with found footage like you really have to watch because if you're not watching the screen I feel like you're gonna miss so many things you know and so I have to usually wait till I'm not like folding laundry or I'm not like editing something or finishing up and I just you know so unless it's one that I've heard about a lot then I usually 
or I have to hear about it a lot for me to really take a chance on it. Um, but I mean, I'm so glad I did this movie. I love it so much. And it's really scary. Like this scared the shit out of me the first time I watched it. I think I like watched it in a dark room by myself. Um, cause you know, Corey will watch them with me sometimes, but he's not always super into it. Um, he definitely will not take chances on horror movies unless I kind of like drag into it. But yeah, I, this scared the shit out of me and it's still scary. Like I watched it real early this morning and then, um, another time like last week but when I was doing my notes it was real early in the morning and the sun was kind of coming up and I had all my uh lights off and one of the cats walked by me and scared the shit out of me again too like because <laughs> it was wearing a clown outfit it was yeah and it was turning its head all over the place normally it never turns its head it can't turn uh, its head <laughs> which sounds like like when you actually say that part of the plot, it sounds a little silly, but mm -hmm. man, the execution on all of this is so good. Mm -hmm. I think like I, you know, there are a lot of things I want to talk about when we get into our movie discussion, but I think one thing that's really fun about this is like, there's always something spooky or fun or Halloween-y to look at, even if you're not in the middle of a scare right now. Like it's got, I think it's one of the rare Halloween movies that is great to watch around Halloween that is actually scary, you yep. know? Mm -hmm. Like we did last year before Halloween, we did a whole episode about Halloween horror and we talked about how like a lot of our favorites have this kind of quality of safety, you know, like mm -hmm. it feels like fun horror, not necessarily like, oh my gosh, my, you know, the, that clown's behind me. And I yeah. feel like this one really hits both of those. And it's one of the few that I can really think about that really does it so well, you know? Like I would pull out Creep Show before I would say pull out Terrifier. For like a <laughs> Halloween movie, even though mm -hmm. Terrifier <laughs> takes place, I think on Halloween, it doesn't feel like a Halloween movie sure. to me. Yeah, yeah Halloween's yeah. not a character within it. Mm -hmm. it yeah. just, it's mm -hmm. a setting, but it's not a character. Like, yeah. like uh, what do they say? That New York is always the fifth character in a movie. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. you know you're in New York. Like, you don't need to say you're in New York. You right. know you're in New York. It's got its own feel. Right. And Halloween is exactly like that. Yeah. And I feel like this one just gives me so many of those great Halloween vibes, like, you know, mm -hmm. that I I get my autumnal feeling, I get my, like, spooky fun, and then I also, it scares the shit out of me. And, well, and there's that buildup and anticipation to Halloween. It's mm -hmm. not, you know, like, Trick or Treat's a really fun movie, and it all happens mm -hmm. on Halloween, so I think at the same time, it, sometimes it can actually take away from the day in a weird way, mm -hmm. even though everything's happening because it's that day and everything's happening around it. But there's a mm -hmm. countdown to Halloween or there's a countdown yeah. to, to the season because this happens even before Halloween anyway. But it's mm -hmm. it's the season. So they're getting ready for it and they're preparing for it and they're all building like and you feel their anticipation for opening mm -hmm. day as they get closer to it and as things are falling apart even more. So like it, it kind of even though it, it's not necessarily always beating you over the head with how much time there is to go before opening day there are the, the cards and everything letting us know there is that anticipation that exists because they're under a time crunch too and then mm -hmm. for more and more reasons as we as we learn through the movie yeah yeah and i did want to ask a question and i'm wondering if i just missed it but did we ever find out why alex does not want to leave the house like, no I money. figured it was some kind of financial yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah, you don't find out specifically in the first one. I believe in okay. the second one, they dig into it more. Okay. Um, I, uh, yeah, my assumption was always at the beginning. Like, oh, we can't, when they, when there's a scene later on in the, 
the the oddly cinematic field scene with mm. uh with tony and and mac and he's like oh mm. so we can't leave it's like yeah. okay that's that has to be financial like mm-hmm. yeah. they don't need to say it and yet they are saying it right yeah that's kind of what i assumed uh that that scene is a little odd that's maybe one of the only times in this movie where i think why are we filming this yeah. you know but no. i mean i'll allow it because you know, I could see them maybe wanting a record. You know, maybe oh, they're just wanting to chronicle. I can come up with excuses for that scene. There yeah. is a director's cut of this that I think mm. is oh, about really? 45 minutes longer. Um, really? Like there's a lot more in it. I haven't seen it. It's 45 minutes, but it's a lot of production stuff too. Okay. Mm. It, it's okay. A, it's the order is shifted a little bit and there's a few added scenes okay that mm. weren't there before there's like a google there's a google images scene where alex's ghost keeps appearing in the image even before he's ever been there and then long after mm. he's gone like no matter when they take a picture uh mm. some of the documentary itself uh footage is shifted around a little bit mm-hmm. uh one of the scenes when they're like preparing for the day is shifted it's not a ton of changes Okay. It just got streamlined and reorganized a little bit. Otherwise, it's a yeah. lot of the production side. Yeah, and as it is right now, it's a tight ninety minutes, which I think is mm-hmm. ideal. Like oh, yeah. I know that the first cut of like to me the scariest movie I've seen in theaters was the Blair Witch Project, mm-hmm. and I know that there's like mm-hmm. a cut of that movie that adds another hour of them basically walking around the woods. Mm-hmm. and sure. that's like not something that i want like that was the first thing they screened i don't want to see that cut because mm-hmm. i don't need a two and a half hour version of that movie where like the 84 minutes i get is ideal mm-hmm. yeah i mean i think that probably because you know for people who know about the production of the blair witch it was literally them in the woods yep wandering mm-hmm. from point to point not knowing what was supposed to happen next and so i'm mm-hmm. sure that was part of it is probably also highlight the yeah. isolation and feels that I can only assume the actors actually felt during all that. But I agree. Mm. They, trimming it down to what it was, that definitely helps accentuate it. And it, that's another movie. It's only gotten better for me in mm-hmm. the years since I'm like, Oh man, how did they get it right? Right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. Like other movies it's... haven't quite captured it the same way. It's amazing. Totally. And it's another, such a simple concept, mm. you know, but just done so well. Yeah. Um, and we're already kind of talking about our um, the movie discussion, so I'm going to just transition us into that because um, I just couldn't wait to talk about it. But, um, John, I wanted to talk about something you mentioned, that it's a haunted, haunted house movie, yeah. which is just genius, you know? Yeah. And, again, why has nobody thought of this? And I feel like it's a way of kind of um, – getting that oh this isn't real out of the way kind of thing Mm -hmm. like the people that are like too tough to be afraid of haunted houses you know because the crew is essentially too smart to or too tough to be afraid of this but they still get haunted and they're still scared which i think it's like having the big bad guy at the very beginning get knocked out by the monster you know it's just another way of showing how scary this is which i think is just genius yeah it is it's it's like so many other things it's you see it and you're like why didn't anyone think of this before right in the mm-hmm. horror landscape as we know it and granted the horror landscape has grown arguably exponentially since this was originally released even like how did like we we did we did a haunted spaceship before we did a haunted haunted house <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. Like, and then th- thankfully we have haunted, you know, underwater house now, which I'm very mm-hmm. grateful for. But oh, yeah. It, it's, yeah, it's, it's just simple. And it's like, well, of course, mm-hmm. like that's like just the, it almost seems like that should have been one of the first haunted house movies. Like mm-hmm. as soon as like they were like, as soon as people started making haunted houses, there should have been a movie about a haunted haunted house. Right. And yeah, just, and, and kind of the concept it, it cause you were talking about earlier, like the, this group and like the characters within it and kind of like hanging out with them, like the mm-hmm. scene when they're at the bar and they're just talking about previous haunts and, Mm-hmm. Like that felt one like one of the more natural scenes in it, even though these actors didn't know each other before, it was a really mm-hmm. great moment to kind of root them, that they have a mm-hmm. history and a familiarity. And despite their flaws that we see many of throughout the movie, they still like each other and they still keep mm-hmm. coming back to each other and they're with each other for whatever reasons, because one of the, as other co-hosts have pointed out to me, I have a big issue with character mm-hmm. and Within Hell House LLC, you know, Paul and Alex are very questionable characters, whether you want to uh-huh. watch people <laughs> like this. Mm-hmm. But it works within the context of the movie. They're not mm-hmm. there purely to be antagonists. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're there and you have an abrasive personality, that's fine. But if there's purpose, mm-hmm. you know, Paul is just kind of this joker goofball, doesn't take anything seriously. He's been able to live his life working at a haunted house for Mm -hmm. however many years, you know, at the bar scene, he's, you know, they're joking about like, oh, you're still friends with that guy. You buy drugs from him, don't you? Like, (laughs) and like, Mm -hmm. they're kind of shirking off that once he disappears and comes back, that he's still being a lazy piece of shit like he always is. Mm -hmm. And like it just kind of goes to itself where it's like okay yeah he's not really likable but mm-hmm. there's purpose like right you can have mm-hmm. all of us have unlikable characteristics about us mm-hmm. and but there has to be context to it like yeah. I, i've seen found footage movies where within the first five minutes i was like this is the worst person i've ever <laughs> seen why are they hanging out with them mm-hmm. like they don't even want to be there i never understood that like this one person yeah. want, doesn't want to go camping like, well, mm-hmm. why did you bring them? Why they're just complaining. Well? Like these mm-hmm. people, if they're complaining about what's going on, it's their job. It's their livelihoods. They don't have anything else. And mm-hmm. then when it is time to be like, all right, we got to run. Like it's gotten yeah. too far. We can't explain any of this. I'm sick of all this. And it's like, oh, okay, we can't. Yeah. Because that's the, yeah. the end conceit with any haunted house movie. Well, why didn't you mm-hmm. leave? Right. Like, exactly. And I think they establish... Even though we never find out exactly what the reason is, they say it's because yeah. they all were loyal to him. And I think we learn enough about these characters to believe that, you know, that they are all good friends. And I mean, we talked about the Blair Witch Project, but I think you could say the same thing about the characters in that movie. They're not, although I love Heather Donahue, they're not necessarily all three extremely likable people, yeah. but they feel real, you know, like. Their reactions, they're reactions uh, for sure. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they're, like you said, like they're unlikable in a way that feels familiar to us. You know, like I know people like Paul, you know, and I know people like Alex, you know. Right. What yeah. you see with like the Blair Witch is you see three characters that can start out likable to yep. varying degrees, but because they are pushed past their limits of like psychological endurance and physical endurance, mm-hmm. that, you know, they very quickly revert to their worst selves Mm -hmm. yeah here it's a little different in that like you get to follow 
these characters for a much more extended period of hang time. So they're kind of like personality picadillos are kind of like right out in the open to begin Mm -hmm. with. Like Alex, I would say is kind of like too headstrong, like doesn't really listen to anybody else. And he's very like dismissive of other people. Like when they have a concern, he's very quick to be like, Nope, not even gonna deal with it. Mm -hmm. Like it's going to be all positivity and full steam ahead. And Paul is the guy that would slip you a roofie. Um, (laughs) You know, just because like, that's what he does. He even has like the creepy mustache, like the the dirt stash. And, uh, you know, all of them have like little different traits that make them, that make them feel much more lived in. Like there's nobody that you necessarily despise among this crew. Um, And I think Mm -hmm. part of it, it does feel like all of them were, you get the feeling like they were bonded together for a long time. And -hmm. those friendship, the strands of those friendships are there. And Paul feels like the one that, like you said, you should have cast off from the group a long time ago. Mm -hmm. Like everybody realizes how little he actually offers. Mm -hmm. But because he's been with them for so long, they find it impossible to just cast him aside. And at the same time, at least initially in the movie, up until his his disappearance, he's actually really pivotal pivotal to the movie, regardless mm-hmm. of if you like him or not. Because as a slacker character who doesn't do anything, he's using the camera to avoid working. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the whole yeah. reason that most of this is documented, even though Alex is like, "Why are you filming?" Mm-hmm. Like when he when he's talking to the one actress, I always thought that almost a little bit more dismissively from the regards of like, yeah, maybe it's for like the website or be real or whatever that he might show later. But mm-hmm. also, I have to explain why Paul is like this in mm-hmm. a way that isn't like, no, Paul's just creepy and he's going to film you. Mm-hmm. So like it, it gives us mm-hmm. half the footage in the movie. And then after that, we have other reasons for the footage we see. But Paul mm-hmm. is really pivotal, like him being a slacker actually why we have the movie like if he's right. a good worker it wouldn't make sense that he's just wandering around filming everything all the time he's just mm-hmm. using that as an excuse like no man i'm off today and alex is like no there's no off days what are you talking about <laughs> right. you know mm-hmm. well and he's our conduit too you know because he is i mean one because he's holding the camera but two like he's the first person to start noticing things and so he's the one of the group with us, the audience that's saying, you need to leave. There's something wrong here. Like in, I think in a lot of other movies, it's that kind of shitty character or the annoying character. That's like the one dismissing everything, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think we feel some kind of kinship with Paul because we're on his side. We're like, no, no, no. There were three freaks in that hallway. Like this is not, this is, this is something is really wrong here, you know? And they dismiss him. So it gives us a little more empathy towards him, you know? Well, What's interesting, too, is he is the character that messes with everybody. Like, he's Mm -hmm. the one that's always playing a joke. He's the one not taking things serious, you know. He's the one that it's like, oh, can I sit in the basement and look at this girl topless the whole time? Mm -hmm. And he's the prankster (laughs) of the group, Mm -hmm. and the entities in the hotel target him first. It's almost like they see a bit of a kindred spirit or Mm, someone mm -hmm. that might be a little bit more susceptible. So it's interesting that he becomes the first person to really get messed with. And it's his reactions are interesting because he completely freaks the fuck out when Mm -hmm. he starts to notice things are going awry. 
Exactly, because it's very Boy Who Cried Wolf, right? They, they do uh-huh. it like the first time the clown turns his head at the top of the stairs and he freaks out and he shows everyone. And they're like, mm-hmm. way to go, Fellini. How'd you pull that one off? Right. And nobody believes him. Only he knows that it's true. Mm-hmm. So he is the first one to be like, we don't belong here. We have no right being here. We need to leave. And the moment that he comes to that realization and he is finally to the point where regardless of being a slacker, not wanting to do anything else with his life, he's like, I'm done. Mm -hmm. Then he's gone. Right. Mm. And that scene where he gets got with the woman in the room. Oh, it works. Oh, my God. It's so creepy. Even though I know she's going to be right there. Like, I knew exactly what was going to happen. Still scared the shit out of me. He's waiting. And it still gets you. I know. And like when you watch back and you know that that's not Sarah the first time that comes that she comes into the room. Oh, my God. And I think that's part of what makes this movie work so well, too, is that it's not like that's really one of the only like boo, like big jump kind of moments. You know, a lot of it, it's just subtle. Like you just notice there's there's a clown there, you know, or like their heads are turned the other way, which is just genius. But like how how else would it have happened? And what I think is great about like the haunted house thing is all of that is just kind of lying around, you know, and then you start to think what else in here is different. And then you look and you see all these like spiders and creepy clowns and, you know, it's just, oh. Well, and then, you know, at the same time, like the the moment that, especially like when Tony is finally getting pushed over the edge with the clowns, then Paul returns. Mm-hmm. And so like the moment he returns, like all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, the prankster's back. And mm-hmm. now he's just not doing anything. And so like, I remember the first times watching it. And, and again, th- this is often a problem for a lot of found footage movies is you have the footage. Mm-hmm. You see that something is wrong. Why aren't you doing anything about it? Mm-hmm. And in this case, like with Paul, like they're showing it, but because he's involved somehow, he could mm-hmm. be messing with them. Mm-hmm. So when Tony mm-hmm. freaks out, he's like, Alex, how does this effing head move? It doesn't move. And he's like yelling. Mm-hmm. Alex can very easily be dismissive for one of two reasons one he refuses to accept it because he can't leave he knows he has another no other options or at the same time in his head like we know something happened to paul he doesn't it's like mm-hmm. i don't know how he did it like let's yeah. get on with this we have to open the doors <laughs> like, right stop mm-hmm. messing around let's go right right what helps too is what happens to them they're all little things like yeah. with the exception of paul being attacked by the creepy demon girl like the things that they see are whoa this prop like moved on its own and we heard like a loud noise or oh it looks like all the heads turned on this thing there's nothing there that happens that is super harmful to them like no one gets physically assaulted uh they're not having like horrific dreams every night that they're waking up from They're not being kept awake by like screams or bangs or whatever. They're just like little subtle things that feel off. And I think Mm -hmm. that as humans, we're very good at fending off warning signs. Mm -hmm. I think of that movie like Speak No Evil that just came out on Shudder, where there was like a dozen times where the family in that movie could have just picked up and left and nothing would have happened to them. But because Mm -hmm. we have this like, nothing bad can ever happen to me mentality combined with like wanting to be like human niceties and conforming Mm -hmm. to like accepted norms of like how we interact that family Mm -hmm. gets obliterated by the end and here like similar thing it's like 
nothing really that bad is happening. So I think that I can stick it out. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it, it's just like that added complexity of also planting the right seeds of character. Mm-hmm. Like when Paul disappears, it's like Paul disappeared two years ago. He did the exact same thing. So I remember at some point during any of my number of rewatches, I was, mm-hmm. um, I asked myself like, well, they, they have footage. They saw mm-hmm. the thing attack him. Why don't they look at the footage? But why would they? He's done it before. Right. right. If all of a sudden your mm-hmm. friend who's flaked before disappears, why would you even think to look back on footage of his camera like he recorded himself leaving? Right. Like that doesn't exactly. make, that doesn't even make any do sense. Why would you think that happened? Right. He just flaked out and left. Well, and that's something I think this film is really like there are so many different levels of like filmmaking in this too, or found footage that I think is really smartly put together because it's technically a blend of like found footage and faux documentary. Mm -hmm. I think that blend is really, really well executed. But like at the end, they're talking about like Mitchell who stays behind to watch all the film. Like, I think it's easy for the audience to think, Oh, well it's just 90 minutes. Just watch the whole thing. But we're talking about like hours and hours and hours of footage. And when they're watching back with the clown, there's just an offhand comment, like, well, how much film did you watch today? And so I think you're right. Like, why would they search through, I mean, how, how many days worth of footage just to find something that, that might not exist. You well, know? Yeah. Like we don't know how much or how little is actually being filmed. They're right. there, for, They're there weeks. for a month. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and she hands them out like a bag of little cassettes. Like if they're filming on those little cassettes, those things didn't, this held what, like two hours or something mm-hmm. So right. over that course. Like who knows, like if that's everything that happened over that three week period, yes, us as viewers have seen a lot. Mm-hmm. And like that's not enough for me to quit my job. You know, right. If, if exactly. I don't have my resume out there and job prospects somewhere else, I'm not going to leave because the clown turned its head. Like yeah. I'm not going to leave my house just because a plate levitates. So like, I'll probably try and get it on like Instagram or something, mm. but you know, like it's, it's that realistic, like, yes, we know there's something wrong as the audience, but the mm. realistic reaction, like people refer to horror movie cliches. Oh, you ran mm. like, classic scream you ran up the stairs and set out the front door mm-hmm. well, yeah because you weren't thinking you just right. ran you didn't mm-hmm. have destination you had survival in mind mm-hmm. it's just us as the viewer gets mad because we know right and exactly when you when you can separate yourself from that and be like yes that was a dumb move and i'd have done that same move <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah yeah i think about that with poltergeist like what is the point where i would actually sell my house yeah. you know because knowing how much of a pain in the ass that is, you know, right. impossible. You know? Interest rates are going up. It's ridiculous. I know. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and I want to talk a little more about the the faux documentary style, because I think this one, it really highlights the strengths of both of those kind of mediums, you know, mm-hmm. because one of the things that with found footage, a lot of times is like, if you, if you miss it, you miss it, you know? And, but I love because there is this faux documentary framework, like we're able to like really slow down those pictures and show that this is a still of three people being here. And this is a still of two people. And I think it's just so really well done. So really well done. Those aren't good words. Um, Like Lake Mungo is another one that does that really well. Fantastic. Arguably the best phone footage, maybe. Oh my God. Toe to toe with Blair Witch. If no, if people listening haven't seen Lake Mungo, Oh, do yourself oh, yeah. a favor. 
Whew, yeah, just be ready because that yeah. that movie. Really and remember, it's not head. real. You could easily <laughs> right. watch that and be like, "Did this happen?" Right. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love the faux documentary style of found footage, whether it's really hard watches like the Poughkeepsie tapes. Oh. Um, the Last Exorcism also mm-hmm. plays like a faux. Like to me, the what I I see the Last Exorcism as a recruitment video for the <laughs> church in that because there's like a score to it, which you typically mm-hmm. wouldn't have. I'm like, yes, they're giving this to potential church members mm-hmm. after the fact. Uh, the taking of Deborah Logan does the same Tabor thing. Oh. Deborah Logan. Because mm-hmm. it's heavily edited as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a great one because I think you get the best of both worlds. And what you get here, you have this with like the journalist uh, Martin, and then you have... Uh, also like kind of the historian like the older gentleman that's kind of more the town historian where Mm -hmm. they're diving into the history of the hotel and setting up just enough mythology where you're intrigued but it doesn't feel super heavy-handed at the same time well like you mentioned with martin the photographer his his performance is actually i think what really drew me into this Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. it's one of the more relaxed realistic conversational performances that in low budget movies are they're hidden gems yeah. because a lot of times with lower budget indie movies especially phone footage because it's cheaper to do a little bit more streamlined everything else acting can be pretty hit or miss mm-hmm. it's just the nature of the game yeah. but martin like he does he's got this uncomfortable feeling like he doesn't really seem to want to be talking about it mm-hmm. and just the 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 just a moment of honesty. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like I just, I pointed my camera down the stairs, took a bunch of pictures and got out of there. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like just that vulnerability too. Like anytime, mm-hmm. just the way it is, like anytime a male character in a movie is vulnerable about their own fears, it adds a little bit more weight. Like it's like, Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Like this, all right, well, what was going on there? He's just taking pictures. What's the big deal? I was kind of like, right. All right. I, uh, well, what's going on here? Like it, it really helped pull me in. Mm-hmm. And he's really able to sell that, not just with how he expresses it, but like there's this like look in his eye, yeah, and also just like the subtle kind of like just shrug of the shoulders, mm-hmm. like yeah, what are you gonna do? Mm-hmm. That I think well, really works when it comes to that. And there's a really great moment of editing in that scene too, when they do a voiceover, when when he's his own voiceover, and the editing. Mm-hmm. Is him voicing over like just himself sitting there waiting for them to start filming or talking or whatever, and just sitting there, like uh, uh, kind of uncomfortably. Mm-hmm. So it kind of adds this level of he like unease to it. Mm-hmm. He's he's talking a little bit more matter of factly, but when you see him not talking about it, he seems like he wants to just get it over with, and that adds mm-hmm. kind of this little palpable feeling to the moment. It's mm-hmm. a really smart choice as far as the editing is concerned to, to show that instead of having him just like stutter through what he's talking about. Yeah. Cause it's yeah. almost like a, it's almost like a B roll, like just like Easter egg. Like you just kind of found it like, and, and, mm-hmm. and threw that in there. I thought it was a, just a fantastic way to, to highlight his character. Yeah. The, another scene that I really liked with him that I noticed on this watch was um, when he's talking about um, Andrew Tully getting questioned mm-hmm. and they're like, did they question me? He's like, yeah, yeah, of course they did. And just like the realism there, like you feel like you really believe him. 
Yeah. Um, and then the historian guy, he's just got this glint in his eye where like he's trying mm-hmm. to creep you out just a little bit, but he's also like an expert in this. It's yeah. just the perfect method of delivering all of this information, you know? I just yeah. want to, that actor, uh, it's Theodore B- uh, Bulokos. Mm-hmm. So probably mispronouncing yeah. that. He is in another movie around this time. And I, I when I saw him on screen, I was excited because he... Uh, plays like a sleazy art director in a movie called mm. Bag Boy Lover Boy, which is a really <laughs> good piece of like sleazy exploitation from the early 2010s mm-hmm. that we screened back in the day. It's like <laughs> it's very it's it's kind of almost like it goes back to those 42nd Street Grindhouse Ooh. type movies. And he's really good in that movie. So it was kind of he has like 150 credits, but I don't get to see him in a lot. He's a, oh, wow. just a terrific little character actor. Every time I see him, I think he's Joe Swanberg for like a split second. Like, oh, <laughs> really? Joe Swanberg. Yeah, I mean, How? you know. Wait, are we talking about the, the maybe I'm talking about the I'm other I'm talking guy. about the older dude with the oh, no, twirly no, no, no. mustache. <laughs> I'm talking about the photographer, the redheaded like, photographer. If you were going to say Burl Ives, I would be like, yes, uh. Burl Ives. That would be. He reminds me of one of the well, judges on Forged in Fire. Like he, he just like he looks like he walks around with a pocket watch. Mm, he and, does, yes. and I agree. He does that glint in his eye when he turns, when he kind of turns his head to the side, kind mm-hmm. of a little bit conspiratorially. Like he's 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 excited to tell you this little secret. Mm-hmm. Like it's just it's it's a little foible, like a, like a personality choice or an acting yeah. choice for the character's personality. That's just yeah. like it's a little playful. Like yeah. amongst it all, like I'm gonna I'm gonna let you in on this little secret, right? And they never ever do overdo it too, you know. And like Mike, I know that's one thing you've got in your notes is just that blend of it. Mm-hmm. Um, is that we get just enough of the story, but the focus is still with them in the house and the found footage and the scares. And so it it's never it's never too much of that guy. We don't ever get sick of him. Yeah, I I agree. There there's very very common. It's a it's a running theme in any horror movie about that person who knows everything mm-hmm. and it's a it's something i've played with in my own writing in my own podcast um just the expert mm-hmm. and they, they can they get them on a zoom call they get them on a phone call they're able to come to the house they're able to tell you exactly what is happening like mm-hmm. they know what's happening they've heard of it they've figured it out they've seen it before whatever and in this it's just small town rumor and conjecture. Mm-hmm. Like it's just what somebody's heard. There's no yeah. one sitting there like, all right, I know the truth. Even mm-hmm. if it's, even if it was just pure conspiracy theorist, that would go too far because mm-hmm. odds are the movie would then start to tread into that. Oh, but he was right. He was, he was crazy, but he was right. Instead, right. it's just kind of like, all right, this woman and her daughter disappeared. And then, some people talk about like oh, he thought he was Latter Day Dante, like which is about as close to the expert as you get, which they play within the later uh, parts of the series. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, they're like, then he hung himself, <laughs> yeah. And then he's kind of then he's kind of out of it. And you honestly, he's really done for that movie. Mm-hmm. You don't get yeah. any more Andrew Tully. Like Andrew Tully's co- the concept or character of him doesn't come back until the sequels. Yeah, 
Well, and our character, like our group, never knows any of this. Like they never yeah. interact with it. So they don't ever have the chance to say, oh, he was right. Oh, I think that li that little girl is the girl that disappeared because they never know. And I love that the expert that they have that they have access to is Melissa. Yeah. And she's like, I don't know. I just heard it's haunted. You know, it's a rumor. I don't know. Oh, you shouldn't right. ask me. I don't know these details. Exactly. Yeah. It's just the seed of it. And I like how she tries to walk it back immediately, like <laughs> when the others are freaked out and she kind of realizes like, oh, shit, I kind of stepped in it here. Yeah. Did I just oh, they're sleeping the here. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, well, and OK, so another person that I wanted to talk about is involving Sarah, because I think mm -hmm. this is kind of a unique um, way of like we do see our found footage people again, or at least mm -hmm. one of them, which is like it would be like Heather Donahue showing up and saying, mm -hmm. here's our footage, you know. Yeah. And I think it's just really cleverly done that restraint of not showing Sarah too much also, because then it would immediately, I think, fall apart if she started telling us too much of the story. It w we wouldn't be able like that gotcha at the end wouldn't work so well yeah but that really scared me the first time when i realized she'd been dead the whole time mm -hmm. i did not see that coming at all <laughs> yeah i mean it definitely um it complicates the sequels a little yeah. bit that they don't address yeah. uh but it, it it's a great scare honestly not that i'm trying to poke holes in anything it, it's the only part that while i like the scene i I don't quite understand it in the context of the movie because mm -hmm. where'd that footage come from? And as a mm, phone yeah. footage, consistent phone footage viewer, I'm almost mm -hmm. always thinking where'd the footage come from? Mm -hmm. And that's the one part where they've shown where everything else came from. Mm -hmm. Sarah gave it to them. It was interviews. It was an uploaded YouTube video. It was whatever. Mm -hmm. And then that, and yeah. which gets more complicated in like the, second part um but mm -hmm. it's like the one part where it's like that's a good scare mm, yeah but <laughs> but then once you start to pick it apart yeah oh yeah, yeah. any and movie I'm... it's any movie well, my yeah. favorite movies in the world unravel if you start to pick it <laughs> yeah and i mean i think they're smart to just hit it and then the movie's over and, and, then, and frankly it's just a good know. way to end the movie like i think so too i i, mm -hmm. I think with a phone footage movie if it doesn't end on a scare like that mm -hmm. it's you know, like it's just tough. And when you have an mm -hmm. edited product, a faux documentary style, it, it's just difficult. Um, yeah. Again, I, I recommend like Mungo. I think it's a great example yeah. of it. But, <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I think with that one exception, I, I mm -hmm. think they did just about everything right for mm -hmm. me, at least. Yeah, I agree. Um, I. I'm not a huge fan of the second movie, <laughs> and I thought the third one was pretty good. I liked that one I'm in a the lot same more than I was as you, expecting. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. the second uh, one yeah. has some good moments. Like I think the there's a scene where like a character like early on goes into the house. It's like mm -hmm. filming himself, yep. but never comes out. Mm -hmm. um, but I think overall it's a bit disappointing. But I th remember the third one ending the series on a really high note, and that like. Mm -hmm the little flashbacks to the original cast, like being kind of poignant as well. Like I really thought it ended the series well, but the middle chapter was, you know, and I do think this was like a one movie series. Like I think, you know, mm -hmm. I, you know, spoiler, I think the pod and the pendulum will cover this one probably like by next October, it'll be the franchise that we do during spooky season. Mm -hmm. But I do think it's like a one movie story. 
that I, I think you're, so too. once you get like a little cult following and then Shutter being like, hey, we'll give you money to make more of them. Like, mm-hmm. why not? So it's oh, interesting yeah. they're going back to the well for a prequel, but I would like to see Stephen Cognetti, the writer director, like, what else do you got? Like, yeah. You've got to have more than one story in you. Well, honestly, from in the same vein, I, I had asked one of the producers of the VHS series about mm-hmm. uh, VHS 3, mm-hmm. which, you know, a lot of people weren't a fan of. Mm-hmm. And he kind of said, he's like, what are, you gonna, what are you supposed to do when they offer you a lot of money to make one? Yeah. He's like, mm-hmm. we weren't necessarily expecting it. And we put it together. And that's what happened. Yeah. And mm-hmm. at the same time, look what's happening with the VHS series. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. how strong it came back this year. I cannot wait, even though as of recording, even though 99 came out today, I haven't watched it yet. I'm waiting until like tonight to watch it. I'm so excited yep. because I adore the series that, mm-hmm. that there can be a bump in the road. Mm-hmm. And with film, especially if you have a fan following, ignore the naysayers. Mm-hmm. Like if you want to listen to them in so far as they're like, I don't understand why this happened. Mm-hmm. Fine. Take that information, bring it in, tighten it up, but like keep going because there is a story there and you can mm-hmm. keep digging it apart. And with Origins, I'm very excited to see where it goes because that was originally Abaddon tapes and, mm-hmm. and that kind of disappeared for a year. And now we're getting the teaser for Origins to come out. I, yeah, I'm really excited for the filmmaker to keep going. I, I think, yeah, you know, in a world where people are constantly complaining about reboots oh. and sequels uh-huh. and Marvel movies and everything else support indie like right. watch mm-hmm. your indie horror like just because you don't recognize it as a familiar name doesn't mean you shouldn't see it and when you watch yeah. them they make more because it's original mm-hmm. content and support yeah. them and they'll make more i don't want to suggest that steven cognetti is on the same level as a jordan peele so that's not what i <laughs> mean right here but what i find really fascinating about jordan peele is like after get out he could have done pretty much anything he wanted. Like if they, mm. if he wanted to direct a Marvel movie, he could have directed oh, yeah. a Marvel movie. And mm. what I find really fascinating is that instead of taking like the easy big money picture, like franchise money, he is much more interested in creating his own sandbox. Yeah. So you have like Get Out and then Us and then Nope, three movies that are all wildly different from mm. one another, but mm-hmm. textually all very rich. But he's content, like he has become what we think of Marvel as the brand or DC as the brand or Blumhouse as the brand, like Jordan Peele as the brand. He, he's um, making the movies he mm-hmm. wants to make and mm-hmm. what he wants to see. And yeah. On a smaller level, I would like to see Stephen Cognetti do, say, what Benson and Moorhead do. Yes. What they've done with like Resolution and The Endless mm-hmm. and Spring. Oh, I can't wait now. to see In the Dirt. It's fantastic. Um, I am not someone that ever does drugs, but Mm -hmm. I really wish that I was like high as balls for that when (laughs) I saw her at this past weekend to tell you ride. I love uh, uh, Synchronicity. That's the one I haven't watched. I own it. I have to sit down with it. I'm a huge fan of New Orleans. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it's the first New Orleans movie that doesn't feature a Mardi Gras parade or someone throwing beads. It's Mm -hmm. kind of just the dirty parts of new orleans that exist and make it Mm -hmm. part of what it is and i'm like they Mm -hmm. capture such an amazing feel and along the jordan peele lines they have gone marvel and then they went right back they're like no Mm -hmm. no we're still going to keep making what we want to make 
Yeah. Yeah. But I want to see like filmmakers like Steven tell different story. I want to see what else he has. Yeah. Well, I mean, I look at like Pearl and Mm -hmm. X, like that was a prequel that could be like a completely different story. And like, I want to know what happened with Andrew Tully. Like there are a lot of times where I'm not super into prequels, but man, I mean, I feel like there's just such a rich history there that's just waiting. Like I would much rather see that than an extension of this story, Mm -hmm. you know? I think sometimes it, it can also be a matter of filmmakers missing the mark on what their movie was. Yes. Which mm-hmm. I'm not going to, I'm not going to put on my expert hat or something or film <laughs> guru, whatever professor hat. But mm-hmm. there's like, if you look at series like Terminator, mm-hmm. Terminator two, fantastic movie, Terminator three, greatest movie of all time, yeah, Terminator <laughs> three, what happened? Because I think the filmmakers or the studios or whatever, they didn't understand what made the first one or two so great. Like, mm-hmm. oh, it's the characters. We bring the characters yeah. back and it'll be great. It's like, but that's not, but that's not what it was. Yeah. And I think it's probably an insanely difficult thing as any creator to look at something you made that people love mm-hmm. and not just be like, oh, well, they'll love the next thing I make. Mm-hmm. As opposed, especially if it's sequelized, it's like, well, yes, but what was it about that? Like tonally, and especially Mm -hmm. for me and Hell House LLC, it's simplicity. It Mm -hmm. is not a complicated movie by any stretch of the imagination. It is Mm -hmm. super boiled down. It is almost bare bones as far as story is concerned and character development. But like, that's what works. We're not caught in the weeds with any of this stuff. We're just moving along. Yeah. And it's a group that we want to spend time with. And I think that's for me where the second one faltered is I just the it's because it's essentially like a series of people visiting the house. And so you don't ever get to know anybody mm-hmm. for long periods of time. And then and that just makes me think about the cast of this movie, you know, like yeah. that scene at the very end where the new film crew is walking through the house and then we see shots of them hanging out at the bar and we see yeah. shots of them just like having fun. And I think that is a really poignant moment of like, yeah, we did have fun with these kids, you know, and this horrible thing happened. And that's what I think draws you in or, or it's just a scary movie with a clown that's wandering around. Well, you know? And each scene is building on the story. It's progressing mm-hmm. it forward. And unfortunately, with two, what, what, what grounded to a halt for me was everything outside the house. And mm, the stuff mm-hmm. inside the house, I was curious about. I wanted to see it. Like, that's where the scares are. Mm-hmm. When you have daytime news panel discussion mm-hmm. show arguing with people, I'm like, I don't want to watch that on the news. Mm. Right. Like, I definitely <laughs> yeah. don't want to see that in a movie. And I, mm-hmm. I get the mindset of putting it in there. I get it. Mm-hmm. And tonally speaking like that's boring for me yeah and it really grinds things to a halt because now you're just speculating on things and arguing it's like there's too much argument i don't want to hear argument (laughs) go Mm -hmm. go to the house show me the house right yeah i want to see the spooky stuff yeah when i think that's something that's really interesting about this house too is normally i complain when i can't get a sense of where i am in a Mm. space you know like i we talked about this with i think malignant like it just did a really good job of setting you in a scene and setting you in the house and here like every time they walk through the house i get lost you know i'm like what hallway does this go to which just makes it so much more disorienting and how amazing that is because they give you a map basically in the first scene and you're mm-hmm. still like, wait, where is everything? 
Like mm-hmm. it's it, it's intentionally disorienting, like the shining, like the Stanley yeah. Hotel doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I wanted to ask, like what you both think of like Hell House just as a haunted attraction, because this actually was filmed in a haunted house. Like when they were looking out for like, where can we film this? Like they kind of comb the area and they wanted first were looking for like abandoned buildings they could turn into haunted houses and they couldn't find anything so they found like an actual haunt attraction Mm -hmm. uh, in like rural pennsylvania that Mm -hmm. you know they filmed this in the spring of 2015 i believe so or 2013 whatever what a year early aughts Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and like hey you're not open right now can we use this place to film our movie so Mm -hmm. you're gonna have like a some props and everything that are already there because of that. But what did you think of this just as like a haunted attraction? So I'm not, I'm not a huge haunted house guy mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> for mostly. And it's not because of haunted houses. It, it's mostly mm-hmm. because I always end up behind some frat guy who keeps <laughs> acting like he's going to punch the actors. Mm-hmm. Like you bought a ticket to a haunted house. What did you think was going to happen? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. in the whole time, I'm just watching him instead of what's going on. I'm just like, ah, I just want this to be over. Um, I live not too far away from Anoka, Minnesota, which they proclaim to be the Halloween capital of the United States. Yep. Uh, for those anyone who's seen uh, the House of October Built Part Two, mm-hmm. that's oh, uh-huh. in uh, Anoka, where they're talking about the Halloween capital. The the zombie pub crawl is in Minneapolis, where Kobayashi did the brain eating competition. Everything there's a huge zombie pub crawl every year. Really wow. huge Halloween culture. Uh, around the Twin Cities, some amazing haunted attractions. I don't think I'd be impressed with mm, this. Pretty, it's mm. just, well, it seems so short. I'm confused. Yeah. Like, how much are they paying for what really only seems like they're going to be in that house for about five minutes? But you know what's funny is, like, there's a haunted attraction near us. Like, it's literally 10 minutes down the road. I'll probably go to it next week with one of the other staff members. and. You wait in line for like two and a half hours. They show clips of other movies as you're in line. And, you know, they have like some of the haunt, haunt, uh, how the performers are like walking through the line quietly and just mm-hmm. scaring you. And I think the attraction itself takes all of about seven minutes to go. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I love it. Like every year I go and I enjoy it. And like when I get scared, I like laugh. Oh, so, okay. like, you'll just hear this dude, me, with this booming laugh as I go throughout the haunt. Um, and it still works. It does seem short. Yeah. And maybe that's just the power of editing. Like, I don't know how long they're supposed to be in each area. I was like, how many actual performers do they have? Because it feels like they've yeah. only hired three performers, and yeah. two of them are in the basement. And one yeah. of them just sits in a clown suit, really is a bodyguard. Like, I don't quite right. get... So I'm just but trying to figure out. You've got your bartender. Out. You've got the entrance mm-hmm. woman, at least as a very minimum. But there's mm-hmm. several more actors that we never hear from or see. Really. Okay. But uh, you know, and, and I'll, I'll, I, I always feel the need to like walk things back as I say things out loud, <laughs> and then I like uh, think I'm like, oh, but I think I know why I feel that way. Mm-hmm. Which is when I'm watching this for the fiftieth time, that I'm pretty much always thinking like, oh, I didn't like that scene before, but I get it now. Or mm-hmm. that scene hit me different last time, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think in this case, we're in the house so much. And mm-hmm. because we're in the house so much and we see things that are scarier than the 
you know, the pretty shitty bathroom. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. you're just walking through like, okay, well, I'm not worried about any of that stuff anyway. Like, so I think that's probably part of it too, is like, we've actually been desensitized (laughs) to the haunted house, the attraction. Mm -hmm. We're worried Mm -hmm. about the haunted house because we've seen at the the opening scene, something happened. Mm -hmm. So when we finally get to the end and we see the different POV shots, then we're like, but what's going to happen? I don't know. Okay, whatever. There's a bartender. Yeah, he's yelling at people. What's going to happen? Right. Mm-hmm. And that's another, like, it's a part of this faux documentary style is the YouTube video at the beginning mm-hmm. is just such a brilliant way of, like, showing something bad is going to happen in this basement. We don't know what it's going to be, um, and we don't really find out till the very end. And even then, like, it's still not 100% clear, but just and then so and we follow that up with the photographer being like no I'm not going down there Mm -hmm. you know so we know some so it's all leading up to just finding out what's happening in the basement and then when we circle back and we see the YouTube video again once we have all of this context it's like it's scary but now we're sad because we know (laughs) that our friends are gonna die you know yeah yeah, it's really simple but I really love that like you see Sarah run by and and the, Mm -hmm. the, the clown run by in the first one you're like, what the yeah. hell was that? And then you, you see it in context later. And then you yeah. see Sarah run by and go up the stairs and why she's going mm-hmm. up the stairs. You're like, oh, that's so smart. Like yeah. you gave us that tease. And now oh, we have mm-hmm. a connection to the beginning of the film. We're right. not forgetting mm-hmm. what already happened at the beginning of the film. Like we feel a deeper connection to what happened. Yeah. 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 I, I really like that because one of the things we've talked about in earlier episodes is like why we enjoy being scared. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That this is like going through a haunted house is like going on a roller coaster or a theme Mm -hmm. park ride. Like there's that element of fright that comes with it because, you know, things are going to jump out at us and there are scary visuals and it's dark and we don't really know our way around. But at the end of the day, like there's part of us that even though we get scared, we still know that we're in relative safety that like, there's kind of that social contract that when we go through it, like if it gets too scary, well, there's a sign that says exit. We're just going to go to the exit sign or no one's really going to touch me or these are just people that are playing pretend Mm. at the Mm -hmm. end of the day. And what is really great about this is when they get to the basement and how that flips, now all of a sudden, like that promise of safety has been removed Mm. and you go from like experiencing like fun terror, which is like, oh, the damsel in distress is chained up yelling for help to like, oh, that woman is chained up and helpless and she is screaming for her life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right this now. isn't part of the show. Yes. Mm. Uh, I really like how watching how that flips and how that plays out um, at the end of the movie when you get like the the extended walkthrough of the house. Like I really, mm-hmm. really appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, that scene, that is maybe one of the most chilling lines of the movie for me is when she's like, this isn't part of the show. Help me, help me, help me. And it's like, you know, of course she's just acting. You know, it's so easy to just tell yourself that and dismiss it. And these things are supposed to be happening in a haunted house. So like we've been with the the, uh, crew for so long and now we're with the guests. And so like anything that happens in there, like at what point do you say this is too scary? This is this is real. Now I should leave, you know? And as a viewer, you've spent this entire time, like every time you've seen this actress, she's seemed vulnerable in the Mm -hmm. first place. Exactly. The first Mm -hmm. time you see her, Paul is zooming in a camera from a second level on her. And yeah, she's Mm -hmm. looking up at him, like possibly like looking coyly, like, Oh, who's this, whatever. Or 
this is really awkward. Like, what's this, is this guy looking at me? Mm-hmm. And then the next time she's sitting on a couch and he's talking about like giving her a, he's a master of oils and that he'll give her a massage and pointing a camera oh, in her face oh, and talking about being <laughs> haunted. And then the next time you see her after that, they're cutting her blouse open. So she's sitting there in real handcuffs for some yeah. reason. Like why uh-huh. you get, like, all right, that's, that's a different level. Like, I don't care if that guy's got the key. Like mm-hmm. these better break away if I need to, because that's right. just pure sympathy as a viewer mm-hmm. and empathy when you hear her scream and she's stuck and mm-hmm. the whole time she's been nervous and now she's going to die. And mm-hmm. it's just like, oh my, it's just heartbreaking. Oh, I know. Yeah, I was thinking on this watch, too. It's funny what what you notice every time you watch this is like, oh, she has become the sacrifice. Like she like they have maneuvered this whole thing to have this other crew just bring them like this ritual sacrifice, maybe intentionally, maybe not. But um, well, and I wanted to talk about something that Mike you kind of were talking about a minute ago is like this movie scares the shit out of me. This I feel like Mm -hmm. this is a very scary movie. I recommend like a lot of the people that I know in like my real my I see you in person life yeah this is way too scary for them like my non-horror friends (laughs) right right I can't recommend this to them I like I I'll give them trick-or-treat we watched Mm. Halloween ends with my friends the other day but I was like this is too scary for them why would you do that to (laughs) it it was let it's a fun movie to watch with friends and go, it was what very the fuck? fun. Non horror <laughs> fans, from my response, what I've seen, non horror fans have been enjoying Halloweenians the most. Really, I, they liked it. They yeah. had a lot of fun with it. Um, but my question is, why do we find something? Well, first of all, does this movie scare you? And why do we find comfort in something that scares us? Uh, it's hard to say because I usually watch it during the day. Mm-hmm. It has a different feel at night. I know it scares it really my does. wife. The first time mm-hmm. I saw it, it, it's, it, it unsettled me for sure. Mm-hmm. And I know my wife in particular, her big one is haunted. It bumped in the night. We cannot mm-hmm. watch Paranormal Activity before bed. Mm-hmm. Corey won't watch that either. Can't yeah. stand it because all of a sudden some noise somewhere in the house. Doesn't matter if security's set, if everything's locked, if every, we're good. Little bump. Mm-hmm. Like all of a sudden Toby's coming after you. And yeah. I think it's the same principle. It's. It's anything where you're supposed to be safe somewhere. Mm -hmm. And in this case, even though it's not their home, they live there. So Mm -hmm. they are supposed to be safe there. And that's taken away from them. Mm -hmm. So in this case, like Hell House is our house. Like Mm -hmm. when we're sitting Mm -hmm. in there, like they have their beds, they have their homes. They've lived there for weeks. They're going to live there Mm -hmm. for a few more. Well, ideally they were going to live there for a few more weeks. Yeah. And so it very much as much as it is a haunted house it's a home and that mm-hmm. just adds that extra layer of they're not even safe in their home. They have nowhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They're leaving. Where are they going to go? Yeah. You know, they have yeah. no money. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they don't have 401ks and savings accounts put away. <laughs> There's part of me that wonders about the finances of all of this situation mm. and like what they do with the rest of the year. That's that. I mean, that's another conversation, <laughs> but <laughs> they do seem awfully young. To have been running like a multi-year, like they're talking, oh yeah, do you remember like 
eight years ago when we were in junior high school and we were running our <laughs> first hunt in like downtown New York. Like I know uh-huh. people who started their lawn care businesses back in like high school, junior high. Like that was yeah, just when they first started mowing the but grass. That's and they a call little that bit different. Like <laughs> I did that in junior high where like I would drag like the lawnmower to a neighbor's and make 20 bucks. But I wasn't running like a multi-month long production where I had you like, have an to LLC. assemble a team. <laughs> If yeah. you, well, maybe the if, first one was just in a garage. Yeah. Well, they think they talk about how it was in like Queens in Brooklyn. Well, so, they, like, they refused to talk about Queens. So somewhere right. in New York, it could have been in one of the boroughs. Right. But like yeah. they had done this, like the idea is like they had done this for a while. Yeah. And mm-hmm. now like they had like hit some financial setback. So they were moving it. So it would be more cost effective to move it out of the city. Mm. Yeah, my speculation about all that is when he said never talk about Queens again is mm-hmm. something about Queens is what led them there. Yeah, like, like shitty mm-hmm. customers. Had, yeah, I mean, well, I, I think I think the second one or the third one alludes to the idea that Alex had invested his own money yep. in something. Mm-hmm. And then when things fell apart, instead of having investors, he was on the line for it to creditors. Sure. So they didn't have a chance or not any other mm-hmm. options. Yeah. And which also was, makes sense for a kid. Like, you don't know any yeah. better. Pie in the sky. You have no safety net. It's worked yeah. before. I'll, I'll be fine again, which isn't isn't limited to kids by any stretch of the <laughs> imagination. But Nope. <laughs> yeah. Well, and. I but. say I know for like in terms of like, why do we take comfort in things that are scary? I know we've talked about it. Like if you go all the way back to our first episode and let's scare Jessica to death we talk about how there is comfort in our anxiety sometimes Mm. when it comes to horror movies because number one we see our own anxieties reflected on the screen and there's Mm. a comfort in knowing that there are other people out there even if they're acting that like feel the same way that we do uh Mm. and also just the ability to kind of like talk about it with other people like it's a lot easier to talk about this than like the creeping existential dread that I feel every day <laughs> with my, you know, therapist. Like this is much yeah. easier to discuss. Um, yeah. So I think that there, and I think there's also that, like I said, I got, I was fortunate enough to introduce this movie in front of a sold out crowd. Mm. And there's mm-hmm. something about the comfort of being around 200 other weirdos that are <laughs> into the same thing as mm. well. Like that sense of community. There is comfort in that as well. Yeah. I, I've talked about it before. There's the horror community is really fascinating for a lot of levels. Any community has a certain level of toxicity and gatekeepers and horrible people that you don't actually want to spend any time with. Just the nature mm-hmm. of everything, no matter what great thing there is out there. Mm-hmm. But with horror, it's twofold. One, everybody has fear. Mm-hmm. and like it's a commonality like there are people who say like i get jokes or i'm funny and they're not so i can't mm-hmm. imagine they ever watch comedy or mm-hmm. ever like make the comedy ever is like i get that that's just like my life but horror it's about fear we all fear fear feel fear mm-hmm. at some level and mm-hmm. being a horror fan is amazingly vulnerable because you are opening yourself up to fear. You're acknowledging fear. You're acknowledging that that evil exists and you're willing to be scared. So it can be so healing because mm-hmm. in a world that's filled with anxiety and bad news and 
horrible comments on social media and everything else, the fact that you would then sit down and watch someone being chased through a cornfield with like a pitchfork <laughs> like, or on fire or anything like that. It's like, why would you do that to yourself? Mm-hmm. Because it's cathartic. Yeah. Because we're putting a face on fear. We're, we're, mm-hmm. we're saying there's a chance to get away from the fear, to overcome the fear, to survive the fear. Like it's this full loop of emotional healing at the same time as we're scaring the hell out of ourselves or disgusting ourselves or whatever. Mm-hmm. It, but it's, I think it's an amazingly open-minded genre because again, Mm -hmm. it can be really bad. You read the comment sections on some (laughs) websites and everything else. And it's like, wow, you, you woke up with hate in your heart. But at the same time, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I have seen so many people healed through horror. People talk about Mm -hmm. they fall asleep listening to horror. Like Mm -hmm. it's soothing. Like there's this, there's this release and comfort in it. And, and knowing that the horror ends, mm-hmm. we know that in 90 minutes, it's going to end, whether it's a happy ending or a sad ending, we know it's going to end. And so we can get through it. The, the idea that we can get through the horror and the fear and the pain and everything else. So yeah, just, uh, yes, we're opening ourselves up to the fear of the haunted house, the bump in the night and everything else. But it's also like allowing ourselves to heal. It's letting the wounds breathe instead mm-hmm. of hiding them and pretend they don't exist. Yeah. Yeah. And I have been really craving the really scary stuff recently just because of a lot of outside stress. And I find sometimes I want something that is going to scare me so much that I forget about the other stuff, you know, that's really going to pull me in. And that's what I love about this movie is that I get so invested in when I know that clown's coming. I know he's going to be around there somewhere. Like, when is it going to happen that I forget about me, the fear I have with my day job or like the fear that like, you know, of just not being good enough that just constantly lives in my head all the time. It, this busts me out of that. Yeah. Nothing in I my love. life is going to be like barbarian. I'm okay. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I loved that movie though. So like talk about just not knowing what's down there. Yep. <laughs> oh, I loved that movie. I just wanted to point out too, cause Jen, we started the conversation with asking like, why haven't there been horror movies about haunted houses like tractions Mm -hmm. like this time period like i would say the last 10 years we've had a real boon in Mm. movies about like haunted attractions which is kind of one of my favorite little mini subgenres. like just off the top of my head you have three hell house movies with a fourth Mm -hmm. coming you mentioned uh john the houses that october built uh part two Part one, I think, is really good. I really mm-hmm. like the first one. And that one is like almost gets into snuff film territory yeah. at mm. times. Very the much. second one to me plays out like they were doing a demo reel for like the Discovery Channel. Like it's less scary and more. Yeah. Let's highlight these like really cool. And I think that's part of the gimmick of the movie because they're too scared to do anything scary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then there's like Haunt, Hellfest, mm-hmm. Bloodfest. Hellfest is an awesome slasher movie that came out just before david gordon green's halloween in 2018 Mm -hmm. and kind of got lost in all the hype of that movie but that is a really good slasher movie with one of the most chilling endings to a movie Mm -hmm. that leaves it open for other things was bloodfest the the one by rooster teeth the comedy one was bloodfest the one by rooster teeth that was like a comedy might be. I've only watched part of that. Hellfest is 
uh, a more straightforward slasher. Yep, yep. Hellfest is at quote unquote Hellfest. I feel like Bloodfest is the one with Ned from Spider Man. Let's have a look. I think here. it's yeah. I think it was made by Rooster Teeth. Um, I think they're I think they're both available on Amazon right now. Actually, mm-hmm. oh yeah. I watched one of. I think I may have watched Haunt, and that's the one. Yep. That's the mutant clowns one. I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that, that one scared me a lot too. Is what it is. <laughs> I am too scared to go to haunted houses. So I love like that's part of what I love about this movie is like I get to live vicariously. Like as long as there's a screen in between me, yeah. I'll watch anything. But I, patrons, I don't next to what level to nope, get nope. Jen to go to a haunted house <laughs> and, and do it on a dollars. <laughs> Will you do a hayride? I will do a hayride because yeah. it's moving. Like there's the yeah. the side of the hay, you know, the hay. I can hide behind the hay. Yeah. <laughs> Just start chucking bales of hay like Donkey Kong. Exactly. <laughs> so we got a new rule. You can't pick up hay, bales of hay evidently at this ride. Oh, Who would do and we call that? that the gin rule. <laughs> Jeez, too much hay. We say, hey, I'm sorry. That's, that was terrible. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to. Um, well, is there anything else we want to talk about with Hell House LLC um, before we move on? Other than that, scared the shit out of me. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I think we. I it. think if people listening to this have watched it and didn't really like it, I'd say give it a second shot. I agree. Because again, yeah, I've seen it enough times where I get it. I get it. Mm-hmm. If somebody's watched it and like, I didn't like that, and they could probably yeah. say any reason. And I wouldn't necessarily argue it because I don't, people can like or dislike whatever they want. It doesn't affect me in any way, shape or form, but I get it. And I'm just yeah. saying like, I think it's worth a second watch, especially if you just don't like phone footage, fine. I get, then you're probably not. <laughs> but yeah. if you were like kind of on the fence, I think give it a second watch. Like, mm-hmm. I think it holds up real, real well as a person who has seen it as many times as I have. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, well, we want to hear from you. Do you love Hell House LLC? Um, do you like haunted attractions? Can you play piano? And does your hotel actually exist? Or have you secretly been dead the whole time? Or what's your grounding in self-care? Or just what's on your mind? Listeners, what is your favorite local haunt this yeah. Halloween season? Like, where do you like to go? Like, is it a haunted hayride that's really good? Is there a haunted house? Like, I know mm-hmm. there are, like, some really fun... Uh, like Ader and I have done like a couple haunted hay rides already with at least one more in our future before the season ends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we want to hear. And if you have any to recommend, let us know or tell us about the scariest one you've ever been to. Um, and I realized that I just barreled through our uplifting moment. So I'm going to circle back around. Okay. And now it's time for an uplifting moment. <laughs> And mine is real quick. This was my uh, my self-care this week was watching this movie. It was, like I said, real stressed out about a bunch of stuff. And I forgot about all of it as I was watching this because I just think this is a really, really good, really scary movie. It was exactly what I wanted to watch at this time. So thank you for for choosing this. Hmm. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Mike, do you have anything you want to share? Yeah, I am. Mine this past week was just returning to... Telluride to serve as one of the MCs for the Telluride Horror Show. Uh, this being my 10th year flying out there. And like the persons that run it, um, my fellow co-hosts, they've become like a little family to me. Like I just look forward to seeing them every single year. Um, and just kind of watching this festival grow from 
we were literally like pulling people in off the street to see some of these movies to usually by Sunday it quiets down and people head out because of the location. It can be hard to get in and out of. And like the last two Q and A's I was, was doing were like standing room only like mm. people stuck around and like watching us kind of be burst at the seams a little bit. Um, mm. I had to scoot down a mountain on my buttocks for a couple hundred yards because I thought mm. I found a shortcut from one trail to another on a little hike listeners it was not um and i'm still kind of cut up from it um but it's just my favorite weekend of the year it comes and goes way too quick but yeah there's and i think i've picked up you can hear sorry listener who thinks i need a drink um but like i have picked up a cold on the way Mm. back from it but I, I'm already counting down the days again to serve as my 11th year as the co-host yeah. out of Telluride. That's awesome. And John, would you want to share any up, uh, grounding or self-care? You don't have to if you don't uh, want to. No, sure. I've I've been enjoying getting back into writing again. Ah, I awesome. spent a long, long, long time working on a book that I've finally let go of realizing that being as immersed in podcasting as I have for the longest time, don't think I can write prose anymore. Mm. It doesn't really Mm. translate the same. So I've just really enjoyed writing some short fiction again, just some like 3000 word. I'll hear some random topic on a TV show or podcast and be like, what can I do with that? I'm like, Mm. okay, okay, go. Like two thousand, like just all of a sudden, like oh, two thousand words. Maybe it'll be good. Maybe it won't. But just kind of mm-hmm. play with it because I'm not worried about burning material. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I can't write short fiction because that could be a good thing that could go in a book or something like that. As opposed to, no, like just play, like have fun. Mm-hmm. Writing a book is not fun. So people out there, support <laughs> your authors because uh-huh. you're not paying twenty bucks for the end product. You're paying twenty bucks for the thousands of hours and anxiety <laughs> attacks that they experienced. Oh gosh. Yeah, I've been playing with writing a book, and I am not not nearly uh, close enough to actually starting it. But yeah, well, so if we did want to read some of your work, or hear some of the short fiction, or catch up with you on podcasts, where could we find you online? And what is coming up for Bloody Disgusting and Creepy? Uh, the books are hard to find, but I'm, you might be able to find them on Amazon. <laughs> uh, they were all self published, which goes to show you how good they were. And otherwise, lots of podcasts, creepy. We're in our 31 days of horror. So 31 days in a row of horror stories. It's two stories a day. So we do 62 stories just on the main feed and then another 16 on Patreon. Um, We're getting close to 700 episodes or so. Holy Uh, shit. 700 episodes. That's incredible. We've been doing it five years. Now we do, I mean, between Patreon and the live feed, we do eight stories a week. Oh, uh, yeah, I mean, I never thought it'd be a day job for mm-hmm. sure. And that from early beginnings of not having a job to this, I couldn't be happier. And then, mm. you know, once a week I get to talk with, with Zena Dixon and Megan Navarro about our favorite horror movies on Bloody Disgusting. We just did our first uh, live YouTube show on, yeah. on Bloody Disgusting's channel. Um, mm. We have a, over a hundred of those now. And just watching as much horror as I possibly can. And I cannot, 
not in a reductive way. I can't wait for this to be over so I can watch VHS 99. <laughs> no, no, I know what you mean. Yeah, there's so much to watch right now, too. You oh, know, it's such a great time to be a horror fan because you it really is. It's been a banner mm-hmm. year. Oh, it like, really has. You can no longer say you don't like horror because I firmly believe you're just not <laughs> trying. If you don't yeah. want to try, that's fine. Everyone's got their own level of bandwidth. We, no, mm-hmm. Nobody needs to try something new every day or every <laughs> week or every month. Do you take care of yourself? And mm. I bet you can find some level of horror, whether it's Tucker and Dale versus evil uh, mm-hmm. on one side or barbarian on the other or way beyond mm. into extreme horror, which we talk about on the YouTube show. Like mm. you can find it. There's something for you. Yeah. We did a, before the festival started the night before we did a free screening of Spirit Halloween, the movie. Ooh, how is uh, it? Because the writer is from Telluride. I went to the crew party after <laughs> introing the film. And, you know, there were like a lot of families and children in the audience. And it was really great because it's been a great time for like gateway horror between mm-hmm. things like Coraline and Hubie Halloween and now Hocus uh, Pocus 2. Hocus Pocus mm-hmm. 2. And, you know, the kids that are watching, you know, like the eight year olds watching spirit halloween like when they're 10 then we can start showing them like sallow 120 days of sodom <laughs> and you know yeah, uh, Zena might have portrait of a serial out. killer yeah. um you know i believe Zena said that she watched i spit on your grave when she was five. Oh my god that messed me up when i was 17 uh-huh. <laughs> messed yeah. me up when i was 30 i know <laughs> you Ooh. couldn't pay me to watch 120 days of sodom i've read the synopsis same yeah that might be one that i just never watch mm-hmm. um well speaking of what we are watching next it's one that i am super excited about um we are going to be talking about intimacy and we're going to be watching the loved ones yay <laughs> yeah nice little patron pick there from yeah Ashley. yeah so i'm really excited about that one of the few movies that uh, makes me need to leave the room during some parts because that movie gets me but it's so good and mike where can we find you and what's coming up for pod and pendulum sure so my other show is the pod and the pendulum um we are having a lot of fun this october like we've wrapped up our texas chainsaw massacre franchise uh retrospective we posted a really fun episode with five of us talking about what we're watching this october each of us picked like a streaming site if you go to our Halloween Screams episode, we each of us like pick like Shutter and Peacock and HBO Max and a, a Scream Box is one of the others, and we kind of talk about like here's what you can be watching on these services if you want stuff, fun stuff to watch this season. But we're returning to Haddonfield, so by the time this goes up, our episode on Halloween Kills will be up, and then posting on Halloween Proper is going to be our episode on Halloween Ends. And Jen, I believe you may appear on that. We just got to work out the recording date. Um, Only if I can talk about my crush. That will be, we can definitely, (laughs) there will always be room to talk about your crush on every episode. I mean, if you invite me to be on your podcast, you know what's going to happen. I'm (laughs) going to talk about somebody I definitely (laughs) want people to balance my confused feelings about (laughs) And I'm kind of talking myself into liking that movie more and more because any soundtrack with like Sebado and the Cramps and the Dead Kennedys, I'm like, can I really hate this movie? 
when you have like Lou Barlow, you know, ripping through a couple tracks, like, I don't know, but I I think a lot of knee jerk reactions to dislike of any, especially horror movie is watching a thing that wasn't what you thought it was going to be. So time, like giving time and space, I think helps. I think I agree. I see what it was going for. And I think if it was like, more consistently interwoven throughout the trilogy agreed you would have it would have been very solid yes. but it yeah. was too jarring coming in i don't want to spoil the episode it was, sorry, it was an unexpected bar. bookend for sure yeah yes definitely the pod and the pendulum you can find me at mike underscore snoonian and i just had my first published article in a couple years go I up it. Just yes posted about like the ending of smile and uh-huh. how it was a little bit as a licensed mental health therapist, I'm like, I don't, I like that movie. I don't love the end message that mm-hmm. trauma will obliterate you. So I wrote a little bit about that and hopefully folks will read that and enjoy it. And I'm very glad there's no comment section on Thread Central. <laughs> Is it that yeah. trauma won't obliterate you or defeating trauma takes more than five days? Um, <laughs> I kind of go with the trauma will obliterate you message because she gets obliterated. That, and if you try to help somebody with trauma, you will be swept up in its Consumed. wake, even if you're Kyle Gallner, who put mm. Kyle Gallner oh. in more things, you cowards. Absolutely. I loved him. Yeah. That movie fucked me up. Like, it's that fun. movie scared the shit out of me. Well, it boils down like sinister and it, it takes better movies. And it Mm -hmm. makes them like palpable for like Mm -hmm. the Friday night, like not like you said, the crowd of people that don't necessarily watch horror all the time. And it's really fun. Like that neck scare is awesome. Oh, yeah. I just always want to see horror do well at the movies. (laughs) Yeah, I do, too. I am always happy about that. Um, And you can find me at Jim Ferratu on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find me co-hosting the Losers Club podcast. We just we just did a Lobstrosities episode about Children of the Corn for the Gathering. Oh my! Yeah, we tried doing that on Patreon. We stopped at four. Oh yeah, it's um, it's it's really something, you know. Um, and then we're gonna be. I think we're gonna try to do an episode on Simpsons horror coming up. Mm. It's gonna depend on when that it episode comes out, and then we're gonna finish the Dark Tower series this year. So that's gonna be a big one. I'm gonna stop having to worry about spoiling the ending. So I'm excited about that. Um, and that's where you can find me. And that is our episode on Hell House LLC. Yay, Yay. John. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for choosing this movie. This was so much fun to talk to you about and fun to watch again. My pleasure. I I always love talking about the horror that I love. (laughs) It's just so much fun. That's why I love these episodes so much. Um, Listeners, thank you for spending time with us. Please make sure you're taking care of yourselves and take care of each other. And with that, let's sign off. We came here to chew bubble gum and take care of ourselves. And And we're we're all out of of bubble bubble gum. gum.